Hey everybody, it's Aaron. Please be sure to check out thisdaytrivia.com. It's a great website where we get a lot of our information. It's just a fun place to go. Thanks. You are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit aarondonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. Welcome to the Think Funny Podcast. This is Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. (laughs) And Matt Donnelly. Hello, guys. And uh, today we are continuing our This Week in History uh, podcast editions. Uh, This week, we are covering the dates of October 17th through the 23rd. Yeah, so how's it going, guys? How how was your week? Anything of note? Well, I wanted to bring back the... um, uh, the, uh, I can't even think of the name. Um, the slap, <laughs> slap yeah, the action. slap ass and app slassin, the ass ass slap in sports action. Yeah, and I went to yeah highlight uh, Shohei Otani, um, who is yes. probably going to be about the MVP this year uh, mm-hmm. for the American League, and uh, just amazing guy, um, underrated for his fielding as a pitcher. By the way, he's a hitter, base stealer, pitcher, fielder. Um, but I wanted, I wanted, he's kind of the, the cross, the, the bind that could bring ass slapping to Japan, mm. perhaps. Um, you know, I don't know how many ass slaps he's gotten this year, but it probably, probably a fair number, especially from mm-hmm. Joe Madden, because I think Madden likes to ass slap. Do you think uh, culturally that'll cross over? I don't know, man. It could. If a big star like, uh, like Shohei does that, um, perhaps. They That's seem incredible. averse to that kind of physical contact. We need to incorporate it into like their little the bow that they do. Oh yeah. Mm. So it might be. I'd a like to see it spread rather than do. COVID. Let's get ass slapping to spread across <laughs> the globe. That's a great the ass slapping variant. The other day, I was uh, looking for good memes. I'm always out there trolling for good memes, like yeah, a, in the street like, corners, like trying to yeah. see what I can get. And I saw a funny like uh, Roman era meme, and so I started googling funny Roman memes. Mm-hmm. There's a disturbing lack of funny Roman memes, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And then it got me thinking: What have I become? Where I'm just sitting googling <laughs> funny Roman era memes? Do like, a lot of them surround Roman numerals? It seems like they yeah, would. yeah, and yeah. those aren't funny. I'm talking mm-hmm. like your Julius Caesar. Oh yeah, era mm-hmm. of the Republic. I'm like, what? What is this? What is? What is this life? What am I doing? Looking for yeah. Roman era memes. No one's looking for these. Nate, you have this incredible knack, like no one I know, to really search out and invest in things that will go absolutely nowhere on the internet. I almost like it better when people don't reply to things or respond because I just wonder what they're thinking. Nothing. I mean, I can go. I've 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 gone weeks. Posting five things a day and no no comment, no like, no nothing. <laughs> it's like I don't exist. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you're on Facebook? It's like <laughs> I exist in the vacuum of space <laughs> and no one, like I am interested. Everything, everything I'm so interested in, people could give a hot damn about. They don't care. And then you see other no, people. I'm saying it's a skill. They're There's like, something to they're it. like it's my cat's fifth birthday. Mm-hmm. And you see 75 comments. 
in the garbage industry, people always say years from now, centuries from now, they will go back and mine the landfills for the natural resources. And I almost believe those would be your posts, Nate. Or the what, the comment after two weeks that says, what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> to extract w- whatever value they find out of them. Yeah. I'm about ready to just completely go off social media. And I'm like, it's time for the blaze of glory. <laughs> if I, if especially Facebook, if I'm going to go down... Yeah. I want every single person to be like, what in the hell is going on with that guy? I don't want to tell them exactly what I'm doing, but I want it to be so weird that they're like, yeah. what in the world is going on? Well, what's going to happen when you post the weirdest stuff possible and get no likes for weeks at a time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Business as usual. We put up a poll on and a question on the uh on the latest show so everybody if you're listening to the podcast uh, I'll, I'll keep putting up polls on the anchor uh, website um so make sure you check those out the poll that i just put up was what's the best way to raise awareness of homelessness answer one die jumping off niagara falls on a jet ski answer two give jet skis to the homeless answer three provide free walk-in mental health clinics and speaking of homeless i was I was uh, driving today and we have a lot of homeless here where I live. And there's a certain type of homeless person that likes to jaywalk in traffic and yell at the cars. And I got to thinking like, I don't blame them. That's the type of homeless person that I would be. That was my thought for the you day. Can't, you can't go, what's his problem? He's homeless. <laughs> He's got yeah. a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you're in their world. You're, they live outside and you're just passing through their world. Did I tell you when I was in Los Angeles, I had a homeless guy try to open my car door? Really? And I always think, what if what if I didn't have the door locked? What if he had gotten in and sat down? <laughs> and I just Where took we going? off. <laughs> I just took off. That's not a bad ploy. Just get in. You don't have to ask permission. <laughs> when I was in Iowa City once, I had a guy just walk up. I was at a stoplight, and I didn't really notice him. And he walked up next to my car and was knocking on the window. And, and he goes... Give me a ride to Dodge Street. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? Give me a ride to Dodge Street. <laughs> and I just rolled the window back up. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> it's like, you get a little further with honey there, bud. This week in history. October the 17th. October 17th, 1916. The first sex shocker movie, uh, Daughter of the Gods, opens in New York City and had the first uh, nude scene by a major star. Uh, the character was played by an Australian swimming star. She's shown nude in the waterfall. However, her body is mostly covered by her hair. And I thought that ironic because that tradition continued with adult stars throughout the 1970s. <laughs> so, uh, so I just thought it was interesting that that film actually no longer exists. It's been lost to history, but, um, but there are some uh, screenshots of it. You can see um, anyway, I, I just, I just noticed about R rated movies. I don't know if you guys have noticed this and maybe it's just the ones that I'm watching, but are we getting a lot less gratuitous nudity in R-rated movies than we used to, like in the eighties and nineties? It yeah. seems like like back then you you get a scene where like Jean Claude Van Damme would be with a girl and 
they like go down to the bed and then you think, well, they're, they're just going to zoom to the window outside or fade to the floor. And then the next shot and for like 10 minutes would be an extended gratuitous sex scene (laughs) and movies. Now it feels like we've matured past that. Is that, have you guys noticed that? You're making me think of the movie Under Siege. You know which part in Under Siege I'm talking about? Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I haven't seen that in a long yeah, time. I think there's a topless girl that jumps out of a cake or something in Under Siege. The Steven yeah. Seagal movie. And it's just yeah. for no reason. It could, Yeah, no reason. It could be anything happening, but it's, oh, no, there's a topless girl jumping out of a cake. All right. Yeah. But yeah. in today's culture, like, you'll never get, everyone is offended by everything all the time. Yeah, I don't think we'll see another Porky's. October 17th, 1814, the London Beer Flood. So a large fermentation tank ruptured at the Mew and Company Brewery, uh, which was in a poor part of town. It caused other vats to also rupture, creating a 15-foot high wall of beer that crashed down Tottington Court Road, began filling the cellars where many poor people were living. It was about 350,000 gallons of beer. It totally destroyed two homes and it killed eight people. It's how they wanted to go. (laughs) Some old drunk is like, God, if I should quit drinking, send me a sign. And then that uh, hallelujah chorus plays and the wall comes. But uh, Anyway, it uh, it was later declared to be an act of God by judge and jury. They continued to brew beer on site for more than 100 years after that. There's a there's a similar thing. I would say turn of the century, giant molasses vat exploded in Boston and many people were killed. My wow. son wrote a paper on it and I, we were just having a lot of fun laughing about like... <laughs> People dying by molasses, like <laughs> no, it's like the scene in Austin Powers when the the yeah. steamroller slowly coming. This one's for you, Nate. Giulio Gavatti uh, was born um, 1882. He was an Italian pilot. In 1911, he conducted the first air raid from an airplane when he dropped four grenades on the Ottoman military from 600 feet above. There were no casualties. But the Ottoman Empire issued a protest against this type of raid as the dropping of bombs from balloons had been outlawed in 1899. Yes, I love the story. But Italy argued a technicality that the ban did not extend to heavier than aircraft. So... (laughs) <laughs> and I like how I like how the Ottomans are like, no fair, guys. <laughs> no uh, fair. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I just picture the guys on the ground like holding signs that say no fair, and the guy on the airplane is trying to hit the sign <laughs> with a grenade. <laughs> this is in the year 2017. Battle of I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, but it's Kalui Chan. It was an operation by the Mexican National Guard to capture uh, El Chapo's son who was running his drug trafficking ring, okay? So the Mexican national government goes in and tries to capture him. They did end up capturing him at his home, but they found themselves surrounded by cartel enforcers. The guys in the cartel had armored vehicles, bulletproof vests, anti-aircraft guns as they drove to the airport and stopped all flights, 50 caliber rifles, grenade launchers, rocket launchers. Over 700 of these cartel gunmen surrounded the Mexican National Guard. They attacked the apartment complex where the relatives of the military personnel were living, and they basically won. Hours later, the Mexican president released El Chapo's son and stopped the raid and said he did it to prevent bloodshed. They won. They got away, and and that was it. 
And I just thought that is so insane yeah. that that happened in 2017. Uh, um, and in 20, however, this is my, I love this caveat from Wikipedia in 2020, uh, which is only three years later, Mexican government announced that they've frozen accounts and they filed a complaint with the prosecutor's office and found irregularities. So I'm sure once he gets word of that, a complaint, he'll turn himself if you, in. If you can't tr- trust the Mexican judicial system, <laughs> who know. can you trust? October the 18th. October 18th, 1984. Uh, stuntman and actor John Eric Hexum dies from injuries after shooting himself on the set of a TV series called Cover Up six (laughs) days earlier. Uh, He was unaware that an explosion from a blank gun is deadly at close range. Oh, Uh, He'd been playing Russian roulette with that blank gun. This is one I just, I saw the title and I immediately rolled my eyes. Uh, October 18th, 1963. (laughs) Cats in space. <laughs> yeah. First cat in space. Hey, you want to send a dog or a monkey into space? I'm all for it. You got my blessing. But a cat? A cat is not a cat is a monster. Uh, the cat's name Felicite with a little accent weird angle. Accent thing. grave. Accent grave. Yeah. Of course it would have that that you couldn't get a more uh, French uh, name than that. Uh, 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 en français. <laughs> Felicité is sent yeah. into space in a capsule on top of a French Veronique AG1 rocket. Felicité oh, traveled 120 miles into space for an hour and a half and then returned to earth by parachute. I'm just picturing the cat <laughs> with just a parachute on. And a beret. And oh, was recovered safely, thank God. <laughs> She's the only cat to have uh, have done this. So yeah. it's got a, a autographed picture of the cat, <laughs> which I love. That's like the French's one attempt at space travel. Yep. 1956, rock legend Elvis Presley gets into a fight with a gas station owner and an employee. Elvis had driven to the gas station to have his car checked out. Uh, he was getting ready to leave when a group of young girls stopped and asked him for autographs. While signing these autographs, the gas station owner asked Elvis to simply move his car so others could get gas. When Elvis did not move his car, a scuffle ensued, mm-hmm. and the gas station owner and Elvis exchanged blows. The gas station employee then joined in the fray to help the owner. Uh, all three were arrested. The charges against Elvis were dismissed. Uh, no surprise. This to sounds this like an Elvis Elvis movie. It does, yeah. doesn't? I kind of yeah. had that vibe about it. But Elvis was yeah. quite a character. But when I saw the other day, you posted that fat Elvis picture of him like in a dune buggy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I gotta go with an Elvis story here. So I know he looks so uncomfortable in that dune Man, he buggy. That steering wheel's definitely leaving an imprint on his gut, don't you think? <laughs> It's a tight fit in there. Every yeah. picture of Fat Elvis is awkward. I've never seen one that I'm like, hey. October the 19th. We have a Guinness record alert. The tallest unicycle ride world record. Oh, man. Is it in France, too? No, actually, it was in Las Vegas. Um, okay. Steve McPeak rides a 101-foot nine inch unicycle outside the Las Vegas Hilton. 
Uh, you can watch the video on YouTube. It's not really that great. Um, he climbs up it. It's like, I wish it wasn't like supported by a crane, but it was. Mm. So he does like this little circle and then that's okay. But, um, <laughs> but the, the, the good thing about Steve Unique Petite, McPeak. 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 Was that he was also one of those guys that did one of those weird protests for um, for a, for a cause. Oh yeah, he, he loved to cross the Hoover Dam on a unicycle on the ropes. All right, uh, the cables. And one yeah. time he was upset at uh, I guess it was President President Reagan's policy that he was going to give a hundred billion dollars to Brazil for aid, and he thought that should go to the homeless. So in protest, he, he uh, slept on the cable for three days and two nights. Uh, expecting Reagan, President Reagan to call him to end it, <laughs> but of course Reagan didn't call. Uh, no. So he like you know wheels off. Um, he wheels off in the unicycle. <laughs> out of the unicycle, sadly, and then goes to jail. <laughs> so we got that one with for for the poor. We got the jet ski going off Niagara for the homeless, mm-hmm. and then the Patty Hearst, the uh, Liberation Army, was for the poor of California. I think they wanted so the family to pay. To feed at California? We need to start a bizarre things that we can do to draw attention to feed the homeless. To the homeless. <laughs> Something more bizarre. It's a dime a dozen. In 1982, the most 80s thing ever happened when John DeLorean uh, was arrested in an airport motel with a briefcase full of $24 million worth of cocaine. The same thing is going to happen to Elon Musk someday. Mark this spot on this episode. October the 20th. 1986, pilot of a Soviet passenger flight, Aeroflot, uh, is uh, planning to land. He bets his co-pilot that he can land with all of the cockpit windows shut, just using the instruments and not seeing anything. So the jet touched down. It was 100 and, it's 174 miles an hour. It flipped upside down and 70 people were killed in the accident. The pilot was prosecuted, served six years in prison. Uh, on the flight recorder, exactly one second before the crash, the pilot said, quote, maybe this was a bad idea. October 20th, 1967, the famous Patterson-Gimlin film uh, that everyone knows where Bigfoot is walking into the woods and he turns around. That's filmed. As you guys know, I am a debunker of this, of Bigfoot and, and all kinds of things like that. Here's what people need to know about this footage. The person that filmed it was not just some guy that was out in the woods with a camera just randomly filming nature and caught this. The person that filmed this was Roger Patterson, who was a Bigfoot fanatic, who at the time was trying to film a pseudo-documentary about cowboys being led by an old miner and a wise Indian on a hunt for Bigfoot. He first became interested in Bigfoot after reading about an article in 1959. In the 60s, he continued to network with Bigfoot searchers. He wrote and self-published a book about Bigfoot in 1966. Anyway, so for the for the uh, pseudo documentary that he was making, he would have had to make a Bigfoot suit for the climatic scenes for that film. So enter Philip Morris, which is a great name, <laughs> 2002. <laughs> uh, Philip Morris, who owned Morris Costumes, 
He finally came out and said that he made a gorilla costume that was used in the Patterson-Gimlin film. He said he sold an ape suit to Patterson via mail order in 1967, thinking it was going to be used in what Patterson described as a prank. After the sale, he said Patterson called him, asking him how to make the shoulders more massive and the arms longer. Morris said he suggested that uh, someone wear football shoulder pads under the suit. Morris said... People say that no human can walk that way in the film. And he says, yes, they can. When you're wearing a long clown's feet, you can't, you can place the, you can't place the ball of your foot down first. You have to put your foot down flat. Otherwise you'll stumble. So apparently, I don't know if he was wearing clown shoes inside the Bigfoot suit, (laughs) but uh, he said, when you put on the gorilla head, you can only turn your head maybe a quarter of the way. And to look behind you, you've got to turn your head and your shoulders and your hips and with the shoulder pads on, that is exactly what happened when the when the Bigfoot turns and looks. And then another guy, Bob uh, Hieronymus, in 1999, he finally claimed out and came out and claimed to be the figure in the suit. Hmm. Um, he has this long story as to how he was approached by Patterson. His family members saw the suit in his car. And then the greatest sort of tie back to this, to close my case, is. Uh, this guy, Ray Wallace. So Ray Wallace is the sort of father of Bigfoot lore. In 1958, the Eureka, California paper was the first to use the term Bigfoot in a story about uh, Ray Wallace. He found huge footprints in a constru- around a construction site. After Ray Wallace's death in 2002, the family went public with claims that he had started the Bigfoot phenomenon with fake footprints made from large poorly crafted wooden feet and they found feet in his uh, basement so wallace uh, had been reached out to previously by roger patterson and he said that he kept calling me dozens of times pumping me for information on bigfoot finally i told him where he could go i felt sorry for him he had cancer of the limp glands he was desperately broke and he wanted to try to get something where he could have a little income and I told him to go down to that spot and look for Bigfoot. So it comes full circle. That's my little debunking soapbox that I'll get off of now. October the 21st. 1879, Thomas Edison succeeds in making the electric light bulb. It had taken about 1,200 experiments. Dumb, right. dumb quote. I hate Thomas Edison. It cost more than uh, $40,000. Although incandescent lights had been around for about 40 years, Edison's, I love this line, was the first practical one. Uh, I want to see just a completely impractical, like ridiculous looking <laughs> steam powered one. Well, I wonder if it was the size that was impractical. Matt, I, that's remember what going I think, to Edison? Yeah. Nate, have you ever been to Edison's house? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a bulb still burning there from him. I don't know if this is the bulb, but he lived next to Henry Ford and they had that giant tree. Do you remember that? That the big gum tree. tree. Yeah. They made gum from. Yeah. And it like took over the whole area. Uh, they were friends. I think I've shared this on the podcast before that the guy said that uh, Henry Ford, when he died in his attic, there was a jar labeled Thomas Edison's last breath. I thought that was always interesting. At least that's not weird. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a day. Without something in flight, born October 21st, 1886, Eugene Ely. He was the first person to fly a plane from the deck of a ship in 1910. Oh, and was wow, the first, first to land a plane on a ship, 1911. So he oh. was flying, I guess, that whole year before he landed. 
died October 21st, 1969. Jack Kerouac, American author uh, of On the Road. He was one of the founders of the Beatnik movement of the late 1950s and is known as the godfather of the 60s, 60s hippie movement. Yeah, I've never read it. I should check it out. You, I think um, you'd like it. Yep. But the reason, anytime I hear Jack Kerouac, I think of the line in Step Brothers when he, one of the brothers is at like a jobs place, like trying to get a job. And the guy's going through his resume and it says, it says here in this gap in your unemployment that you went Kerouac on everybody's ass. October the 22nd. 1907, there was a major circus merger between uh, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Mm. Uh, two clown cars and a bearded lady to be named later. Was involved in the burger. There's a bunch of corporate clowns in suits, like around a big board table. They're working. They do the handshake, and one of them's got the buzzer. 1897, the world's first car dealership is opened in London. What was the dealership of? Like, what was there a brand back then? Like, what was the first? Maybe there wasn't a car yet. It was just a concept. Did they also sell horses? Was there a transitionary stage, like with the DVD VCR combos? (laughs) They open the hood and it's just one of those little Shetland ponies. (laughs) One horsepower. (laughs) 1797 in Paris, of course. uh, Andre Jacques. Garnerin becomes oh, the boy. first person to parachute jump from a balloon. I don't know if he made it or not. I'm guessing he did successfully land. Did he have a cat? Well, he he, <laughs> he landed one way or the other. He successfully landed. I think uh, Jean-Luc Picard is based off of a Paris balloonist. Mm. I'm going to Google this. I want that to be true. Please don't spoil that for me. <laughs> Just let let's let Just that say go. It's true. I like everything about that story, Matt. Everything. If it would have been in a war that would have just made it. I bet he did it just because. Just because he wanted to see if he could well, do he's it. He's French. He doesn't have a job. He's got nothing to do. He's a French guy. He's never going to do anything with his life. Sorry, France. We're never, our podcast is not going to be big there anyway. <laughs> no, we just lost the French market. Well, it looks like he was uh, based off of some Swiss scientists, but... I thought I could have swore there's a Picard balloon. I'm going to Google Picard You know what? I think balloon. that name does sound like it. I've seen it in the aviation world before. Bertrand Picard? No. Uh, I don't know. Man, they had parachutes anyway. in the 1700s? Yeah, 17, uh, 1797. Yeah, I was, I was shocked on that too. It seems a little early. Were they made out of those frilly thing, neck things? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Well, this is actually, there is a Picard... 1999, he circumnavigated the Earth by balloon. Aha. And all worlds together. Yes. Bertrand Picard and his balloon instructor. <laughs> balloon instructor. Uh, and the guy's name, balloon instructor's name is Brian Jones. Isn't that the, the guy from the Stones? Yeah, that died in the pool with a ham sandwich floating nearby. Oh, man. He had to fake his death together. to pursue his true dream. <laughs> Using new balloon designs and taking advantage of jet stream developments, the team ended a 20-year quest to set a new milestone in the 200-year history of ballooning. Oh, that's great. Hot air balloons are so damn dangerous. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, your, uh, like the odds of you dying in a hot air balloon thing if you go up in one is like really high. 
I'm not kidding. I forget. I saw it like one time because I was looking up like the odds of death of like these certain weird things like, you know, a vending machine falling on you or whatever. Yeah, and hot air yeah. balloon is extremely high. Like it, Nate, you need to have some kind of post about this that will get no traction. I, sh- I will tonight. Watch for it. <laughs> 1938, the first demonstration of a Xerox copying machine was, was done by Chester Carlson. I know this didn't happen, but I, I really wish he would have pulled down his pants and yeah. got on the machine and took a copy of his ass. Well, you wonder how much later the ass, first ass one was. Later that night, yeah. Every person has felt the urge, at, le- at least felt the urge to do that. It's too bad that's not how proctology exams are done. <laughs> yeah. that they just, it's a warm Xerox. <laughs> October the 23rd. So 1973, President Nixon and the Watergate scandal, he agrees to turn over uh, his audio tapes. So he finally agrees to turn them over. Uh, There's some great audio of Nixon on on tape. Um, So there's lots more released since then, but I'm just going to play a clip here that I've edited for time. But basically Nixon is talking with his advisors after watching an episode of All in the Family. For example, the uh, arch is sitting here in sloppy clothes and here's his Finally, I got uh, Joan Quigley died in 2014. She was an American astrologer to First Lady Nancy Reagan and her husband, Ronald Reagan. So I don't know if you guys remember the story, but she came out with a book and she claimed that Nancy Reagan was calling her two to three times a day while in the White House for advice to give President Reagan. And Reagan would follow this advice. White House Chief of Staff Donald Reagan wrote, Virtually every major move and decision the Reagans made during my time as White House Chief of Staff was cleared in advance with a woman in San Francisco, this is is the astrologer, who drew up horoscopes to make certain that the planets were in favorable alignment for the enterprise. End quote. There's a great interview of her where she claims to potentially have ended communism. She said, I changed their view of Russia as an evil empire by briefing them on Gorbachev's horoscope. (laughs) You will face a difficult decision today. (laughs) Hey, that's me. I guess that goes well with being president. (laughs) That stuff is absolute nonsense. I just want to go to any psychic... And just be like, okay, just tell me my birthday. We can mm-hmm. prove it. I'll pull out my driver's license just right now. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you tell me my birthday. 
and see what they say. And and they can't because it's all fraud. But I do, if I'm ever at like the country fair or the, we have these like uh, hippie festivals here in town and I do like stopping at like the palm reading booth and stuff. Do you really? <laughs> it's relaxing. That's money so. that you could spend on a hacky sack, Aaron. That's true. Supports your local economy. <laughs> and some seaweed lemonade. Please tell me that's not real. No, it's real. Oh. I've bought some for my daughter <laughs> oh. recently. Oh. Recently. We have a seaweed lemonade store. Store that sells that? Yeah. A store that is in business actively is it, selling is it seaweed. Good? No. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Think Funny Podcast. Please be sure to like and subscribe and check us out on Facebook. Hear your uh, answer to the poll, people. So Yeah, and I'll, and I'll put out a question there as well. So make sure you answer those, and then we'll read them on air. For Nate Sadler and Matt Donnelly, this is Aaron Donnelly. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it, and have a great week. Bye, everybody. Give me a ride to Dodge <laughs> Street. You get a little further with honey there, bud. <laughs>